Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Well, last week, we did jump into a brand new series entitled Noise. Uh, and it's just one simple concept that I want you to understand. It is hard. It is hard for us to listen to the voice or the God that's in our heart when the noise in our life is too loud. And so we're trying to take some time to figure out what can we do to help quiet some of the noise in our life or in our minds so that we can hear God and listen to our heart and move forward. And last week, we just kind of cranked up. I'm not going to speak that whole message again. You can go to the podcast and listen to that. But last week, I had these rose-colored glasses, and we talked about rose-colored glasses and the lenses in which you're looking through and where to start. Well, today I want to do something very simple. I want to talk about, for most of us, for most of us, by far the greatest cause of majority of the noise that you experience on a regular basis. I believe what we're going to talk about today is hands down. Now, I don't like to use the word always or all because I got through college and my master's understanding some simple rules with test. Number one, if somebody says every always or all, it's normally false. And so, got me a long ways there. So, I don't like to use those words, but most of the time, what I'm going to talk about today in God's Word, I believe, is the number one source in why your life and trying to hear what God wants in it becomes so noisy where you can't discern between what God's will and your will is. So, if you're taking notes, I want you to write down one simple word. The greatest noise in your life is life. Isn't it amazing how noisy life itself can be? In fact, can I read what I wrote down? I literally wrote this down in the, in the aspect of God in life. It's amazing it not only how loud life can be in our head, but how quickly it changes some of our ability to discern God's promises for our life or even lowers some of our commitments. It is amazing at how loud life can be, and it causes us sometimes to not only not be able to discern what God's calling us to do, but it'll also cause us to, to lower some of our commitments to things that we're doing. I'll give you a great example. If you've ever been around athletics or students for a long period of time, it's amazing how many kids show up as a freshman and they are fired up and they are ready to go and woohoo, I'm going to do this. We're going to win a state championship. Junior year, yeah, not really happening a whole lot, not really interested. I'm just glad to be a part of the team. Senior year, they're nowhere to be found. What's happened? I don't know. I'm not here to talk about coaches or coaching or anything like that. But normally what has taken place is life has, has, a, has had a way to discourage them and lessen their commitment level. And they've started settling for less than what they could have accomplished. I think a lot of that happens in different areas, whether it be relationships. And by the way, happy Valentine's Day to all my singles. Happy Single Awareness Day. Right. But it's one of those things that, you know, a lot of times we let life define 
all the things that are in our life because it's so loud. It screams at us. Give you an example. Anybody ever been in a job and you were committed, you were on time, you were working hard, you're doing all the right things, and it came time for a promotion or a raise, and you got bypassed? And about three times of getting overlooked and watching the person that did, you start saying, you know what, it ain't worth it. I'm not going to work as hard. I'm not going to be as committed. I'm not going to do as much. That's the type of concept that I'm talking about. I believe this aspect of commitment and what we are doing and the way that life can be so loud is one of the reasons why, and again, I want to read how I put it in my notes, is the reason why most people start something strong and excited, but they finish it weak and uninterested. It's the reason why we start stuff like, woohoo, let's go, baby, this is great. And then about five, six years, you're like, yeah, I mean, I, I could, could or could not do with this. This is going to make a lot more sense when we get to the end of it. I need you to buckle up and focus. I'm going to go ahead and warn you. You shouldn't give the pastor donuts and chocolate. So if I'm sounding like a micro machine, somebody just say, calm down. If we get out of here early, they'll give me donuts every week. But it's one of those things that, so buckle up, we're going to jump into God's word. With that being said, I believe there's three areas, three levels that we need to look at today, and then we're going to dive into God's Word, that's going to help us to quiet this noise that's in our head that life has a way of putting there. Life has a way of making us think, oh, I can't trust people. Oh, I can't do certain things with people. Oh, all this stuff's rigged. All these conspiracies. All, all the stuff that life hits you with, there's a way to block that out and to be in God's Word, but there's three levels. I've talked about two of them before, but today I want to add a new and a third level. A lot of people's issue in hearing God's word in their life and replying to that is they have a high expectation, but they have a very terrible effort. Their expectation level is great. Their effort level is terrible. The reality is is that the effort that they're putting into this, there's no way they're ever going to get to the expectations that they want. But I think there's another level that is before the expectation level that I want to dive into today, and it's the commitment level. You know, it's amazing how the things that I'm committed to, my effort usually follows that commitment. Like the more committed I am to certain things in my life, my effort level follows that commitment and it translates in being able to meet some of the expectations. Going back to the analogy I gave you earlier with freshmen that enter in high school, it's amazing to me to watch how kids move from the sidelines to the field. It all happens in one particular area. It's called the weight room. See, their expectations can be great, but if their commitment to not get bigger and stronger and faster does not meet their expectation level, they very simply get outworked. All of a sudden, they hit senior year, and there's a sophomore or a junior that ends up being on the field who doesn't miss workouts, who doesn't skip reps, who doesn't skip leg day, who does the things he's supposed to do, that does a little bit extra at the house. See, their commitment level totally translates into their effort level, which in turn helps them hit the expectation level. So I got one simple question for you today. What do you commit it to? Like when you're talking about your life and as loud as it can get. I mean, trust me, some of us in this room, our life has been loud. 
We've had deaths that could set us back. We've had relationships that could set us back. We've had trials and struggles that could set us back. You've had great mountaintops and you've had very low valleys. And everything, life can be loud. You've had amazing people in your corner saying, that a boy, go get them. And you've also had people in your corner saying, you're never going to amount to anything. And trying to determine where your heart and what God is is very hard for you because life is so loud. And it has helped you unintentionally say, you know what, sometimes, sometimes it's easier to be noncommittal than to be let down or discouraged. We lack a commitment level. I want to ask you in a bigger way. How committed are you to Christ? There's a lot of people that entered a relationship with Christ, and they entered it based out of a message or something that drew them to the Lord. And Don't mishear me. There's, I'm not downgrading anybody's salvation experience. But they had it in their mind that when they accepted Christ, that everything was going to be okay. Everything was going to work out. And you accepted Christ, and your parents still got divorced. Relationships still failed. People still passed away. You may have even lost a loved one to COVID over these recent months. You didn't get the job promotion. You didn't get some of the things that you thought like, Lord, I'm doing what you called me to do. Why are these things not happening in my life? And because of that, you're dabbling with an effort level with your relationship with Christ. And it's causing the expectations that he has for your life to drop. I want us to talk about today how we can avoid that. How we can quiet that noise called life. In your Bible, chapter 16, we were in this same scripture, not this particular scripture, but the same chapter last week. But we're going a little bit further to verse 24, which is one of probably the most quoted scriptures in God's word. And this is Jesus talking to his disciples, again, to set this up. They're in Philippi, Caesarea, and they're in this area which all this idolatry and worship was going on. And Jesus is going to define for them the commitment of what's needed to be a follower of Christ. Like when I asked a minute ago, how committed are you to Christ? I want you to know that today I'm going to give you straight out of God's word. Here's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And he tells them this. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If you have a paper Bible and you have a pen, I encourage you to take notes sometimes in your Bible. Right beside those scriptures, selflessness. Do you know what the whole concept, the command, the commitment level that Christ is asking to be a follower of him? In order to block out the noise that this life's going to come? He said, you know what, it's going to start with you being selfless. Well, Mickey, how am I going to do that? You're going to first start by denying yourself. What does that mean? Most people approach life this way. God, I am so excited to have you on this journey. 
and this is where I'm going, and I am jacked up about this. And God, I invite you to join me with what I know that I'm going to do. And God's going, well, wait a minute. Are you inviting me on your journey? Or are you accepting me to go on my journey? See, a lot of times we struggle with our commitment level because we want everything that Jesus has to offer us that benefits us, right? Like I joked around about this last week. Somebody was in a service, you're sitting there, and somebody said, man, hell is a horrible place. It's where gnashing of teeth and burn and eternal punishment. And what makes it so bad is it's a place that God doesn't exist. And if you don't want to go there, raise your hand and say this prayer. And being the amazing, smart people that we all are, we say, listen, I may not be the sharpest crown in the box, but what you just described, yeah, I don't want to go there. And you raised your hand and you said a prayer. And at the end of that prayer, you walked forward. And at the end of walking forward, about a week later, two weeks later, you ended up behind the choir loft in a baptistry getting dunked. And you left there and you said, "Woohoo! I love God because he's given me heaven. But there may have never been a repentance. There may have never been a turning away. Now, don't mishear me. For some, there was. But I'll tell you one thing that usually is lacking. Is Jesus is your Savior, but you never made him your Lord. You said, woohoo, man, I'd like to have all the great parts of this relationship. My commitment to you, God, is all the great things that you can give me. Yes, I want all of those. Well, okay, but I want you to commit to me and be sacrificial and deny yourself. Well, hang on a second now. I'm inviting you to join me. Yeah, because I love you. And I love you so much that I want you to be a part of my life. And all of a sudden, you got this great noise. See, your issue about denying yourself is, a, is an issue of lordship. Who is really going to be in charge of your life? Who's going to be the one that's in control? Now listen to me. There's a big issue that hits with this moment, right? See, the reason why you beat yourself up so bad about some of the things that's happened in your life is because you're the one that's been in charge of it and you're the one that's created those issues. But when we allow God to be in charge of our life, then all of a sudden we can almost be like Job, right? That no matter what comes, I say, listen, to God be the glory. He's going to do great things. And all of a sudden, I don't have the pressure. I can have the commitment. I can have the effort. But all of a sudden, I'm not the one controlling the expectations. God is the one that's the Lord and in charge of my life. And if I will deny myself, then I can turn around and put him being number one, and it changes everything. The second thing he talks about is take up your cross. Boy, there have been so many different people that say so many different things about what this means. Well, you need to die to yourself every day. Well, you need to think about the sacrifice that Jesus... Can I put it very simple? A little Mickey English? Basically, what it's saying is when you hit trials and tribulations, you're not going to give up. You're going to say, you know what, I'm going to deny myself. And you know what, even when all hell breaks loose, you know what, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of things that I struggle with. I just be vulnerable. There's many things in my life that I've struggled with. But I'll tell you one thing I've never struggled with. I've never quit anything. Like there are some things that I know 
that I can control. And one of the things that I can control is whether or not I'm going to stop. I never forget I was running with a guy. This was several years back. Obviously, you can look at me and tell that it was probably several years back. And we were going to run a marathon together. This is back when I was like in my 20s, you know, dumb, didn't have really a clue. You know, not that you guys in your 20s are like that. I'm talking about me, okay? But I was like, we're going to run a marathon. Yeah, that's a great goal in life. Why? I mean, <laughs> you run 26 miles and end up where you started. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, think about this. Like, <laughs> woohoo! I accomplished something, <laughs> you know? Why? <laughs> but anyway, with that being said, and he said, listen, here's the key. He said, once we start training, no matter what, don't ever Stop. Because once you stop, you'll stop every time. You know what I found out? The guy's name was Holton King. And he was exactly right. When we got to these Saturdays, we were running 13 miles, 14 miles. We'd add a mile every Saturday. Again, why? I don't know. But if you, I mean, you would hit a point where you're like, I just need to stop. I just, if I could just stop, if I could just stop. And at the end, if you didn't stop, you know what you did? You just, you got to it. That aspect of take up your cross, you know what God's saying? If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. And you know what else you're going to have to do? You're going to have to make a commitment that no matter what happens in your life, you're not going to stop. Well, this relationship fell apart. Keep going. That person I really love passed away. It doesn't make sense. Keep going. Some things are happening in my life that I don't understand. Like, why do bad things happen to great people? Don't stop. Keep going. And then the last part he said is, said, follow me. See, he starts with the aspect of denying yourself. Then he gives you a big concept of don't stop. In fact, if you went to Luke... Luke's version of this same exact scripture, the one part of the Synoptic Gospels, it says take up your cross daily. So there's a daily decision there that no matter what trials and tribulations come, I'm going to daily say I'm not going to stop. But he says, not only do you want to deny yourself, not only do you not want to give up, but by the way, you got to keep following me. See, what's the key about following him? It's the position of leadership, right? If you're following somebody, you know what that means? That means you're not the one leading your life. And then he follows up with this other scripture talking about commitment that blows my mind. I still have a hard time grasping it. Listen to it. Are you ready? Think about this. Talking about noise and what life tells us. Listen to what Bible tells us. Listen. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But ever, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what if it profits a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? See, the noise of life would tell you that the only way you're going to have life and have life more abundantly is you got to make a commitment and just grit it out and go get what's yours, buddy. And that's going to leave you very disappointed and discouraged. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not talking about a passive life where you sit back and wait for God to do something in your life. 
I believe there's an effort level of getting in God's Word and praying. In fact, I, I met with some basketball teams this week, and I told them with all these tournaments getting ready to start, you know, don't worry. You don't have to worry about missing it if you'll do two things. I was like, and in basketball, I was talking about having a great attitude and a great effort. And I said, but in personally in your life, if you want all the things that you want, my single people on Valentine's, listen to me. If you want the things that you want in your life, I'm going to give you a way that you'll know you won't miss it. Are you ready? Seriously, the greatest dating advice that I've ever given to anybody. Be in God's word and pray regularly. Because if you're in God's word and you're communicating with it regularly, you won't miss it. But when you start trying to do it yourself, you start forcing the issue, you start being the one that's leading. Next thing you know, you find yourself down a situation or a road that you go, wow, how did I get here? It's called regret, right? And then what he tells you is, listen, here, here's the key. Opposite of the noise, those that want life, you need to lose it. And those that lose their life for my sake, well, they gain it. Because what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? And that whole concept is Jesus defining the expectations of what it means to be a follower or a disciple of him. That's the commitment level. Like, can I ask you in a very real way? How committed are you to this thing, this person called Jesus? Is he just your person that you find salvation in? Don't mishear me. That's a great place to start, but it's a terrible place to finish. Yes, you can have, through a repentant heart, everything that he has offered. But I promise, all the things that he has to offer you through salvation is on the other side of this earth. When he's Lord, he opens up the gates for everything on this side of heaven. When we're obedient to him, all of a sudden things tend to work. Let me, let me help you make it a little bit simpler. Let me try to drive this point home, okay? I believe there's two areas. There's two areas that really demonstrate to us the way that this, this works. Like the way that a commitment can kind of start to, to wane a little bit. How we can start out so excited, but then life gets loud and we kind of lessen our commitment. One of the areas that I think this happens at a lot is when you become a parent. You know what I'm talking about. Like you have a child and you're like, woohoo, this is so great. Oh, this is so cute. Oh, this is so awesome. I love this. Then you don't sleep for like six months. And literally like you're going, okay, how old do they have to be before we can send them to the grandparents? Like we just want to take, like I just, just want to, I just need to sleep one night. And then they hit the terrible twos, which are not terrible to me at all. Those are like, woohoo, now we're having some fun, baby. Now they move from sack of potato stage to we're interacting. This is awesome. And then they go through elementary, and then they hit those amazing teenage years that Pastor Sam and I are like, woohoo, we love teenagers. And most people are like, good, take mine. And then all of a sudden, when we get closer to the end of graduation, we start going, oh my goodness, it's coming to an end. What am I going to do? And we get emotional. Because we realize the commitment we had in the very beginning had waned, and all of a sudden, when it's coming close to an end, we start going, oh my gosh, I wish I'd have done more. See, listen to me. Here's the way I want to put it very simple. Most people can't wait to have children 
But then after they have children, they want to live like they're not parents. They don't ever change their commitment level. Well, I'll tell you what we do with mine. We just load him up and take him everywhere. It's a terrible parenting strategy. Like if you truly want to be blessed and for God to, to, to grow you and to grow your amazing family and your children, you know what has to happen? Your commitment level has to change when all of a sudden a child comes into the picture. All of a sudden it's not about you that deny yourself. Yeah, buddy, right? Woohoo! I used to go to all the ball games. I used to watch all the Braves games. I used to do all this. I'm playing Barbies in the bedroom. Hey, honey, let's go to the mall. Two hours later, after getting everything loaded up, you're like, you know what, I just don't care anymore. Can we just stay home? It's like we've got everything but the kitchen sink, and the only reason why is because I couldn't figure out how to detach that bad boy. And you sit there and go, oh, but I don't want life to change. Then you don't want to be a parent. Because if you want to be a parent, you know what? Life is going to change. Some people say, oh, I want to have Jesus in my life, but I want to keep living the way I've always lived. Then you really don't want Jesus. You want yourself. You know, another area, just so happens to be Valentine's Day, is marriage. Let me tell you the number one thing I see that, that really hurts people in marriages. They get married, but they act like they're single. Well, but honey, you know, I've always hunted. Well, but honey, I've always fished. Now, I know some of the guys right now, they're like, I'm going to get a donut. He is, he's an idiot. Don't listen to this. I've got a major Valentine's dinner. Don't listen to the pastor. He's dabbling. Listen, I'm not talking about not having hobbies. I'm talking about a commitment. But honey, I've always loved to shop. I've always went out with the girls. Well, these are my boys. We've been together forever. These are my girls. We've been together forever. Like at some point in marriage, you say, you know what? In order for this thing to really work, the commitment that has to change, is I got to act like I'm married to you. Like you got to be a priority to me. I got to deny myself, and I got to start going and doing things, not because I have to, but because I want to. In fact, can, can I read for you guys? I, I brought this because a lot of you guys probably had vows that you exchanged when you got married. I just want to read what those vows are. Can I read this for you? It says something like this. Do you, and then you can insert your name, promise to be a loving friend and partner in marriage, to talk and to listen to trust and appreciate, to respect and cherish your spouse? Do you promise to support and comfort and strengthen him or her through life's joys and through sorrows? Do you promise to share hopes and dreams as you build your life together and to grow with that person in mind? Will you strive to build a home that is godly, compassionate, full of respect and honor, filled with peace, happiness, and love? Do you promise to always open, be open, honest, and faithful with your spouse and cherish them for as long as you both shall live? And you looked at your other spouse and you said, I will. And you got through and you went on a honeymoon 
in one month, turned into two months, turned into three months, turned into four months, turned into a year, turned into two years, turned into six years, turned into ten years, turned into twenty years. Moreland's, how long has it been? Forty-something, fifty-something years? I mean, it's, it's been a while for some of you. And your commitment on that day, by God, you're ready to attack a tank with a butter knife for your spouse. But then life got loud, didn't it? All of a sudden, man, it, we would really do better if we could make more money. Our life would really be better if we had blank. And in the process of trying to make life better, you got distracted with what made life great, which was your spouse. I, wanna, I mean, I want to be very serious for a minute. And I don't know what's happened. And listen to me, I'm not talking about marriage anymore. But at some point between when you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, compared to where you are right now, life has gotten loud, hasn't it? And rather than trying to figure the whole thing out, can I ask you a very serious question? If you want to quiet the noise that's in your head, if you want to be able to listen and discern what God has in your heart, you know what it takes? A commitment level. It's always a great time to recommit to the Lord. To say, God, I, I'm not going to talk about you. I'm going to talk about me. I can remember when I first accepted Christ, I went to a youth camp, Victory Valley in Memphis, Tennessee. This is 1991, August of 1991. I came back. I, I mean, I, I was fired up. I would... I would call my youth pastor be like, is there anything going on at the church? I remember going over there that, that a choir, this is going to date me, but a youth choir was coming through the Mount Juliet area and was going to sing at the church on a Thursday. And I'm like, woohoo! Man, I mean, I was there. I'm like, this is awesome. They were just kind of doing a rehearsal before they did their large performance at the convention. And I mean, I was in the middle of, I couldn't get enough. I wanted all of it. And then life hit. I can't tell you the day. I can't tell you the time. I can't even tell you what it was. But one choice after another choice after another choice. And all of a sudden that fire that was burning became dull. And I still wanted Jesus to be everything that he was to me back in 1991. But honestly, I had no idea and couldn't figure out how to get there. And I think that's where a lot of you sit. Life has gotten so loud in your head that the things that you desire in your heart, you don't even know if they're obtainable. Can I help you? Not only are they obtainable, but there's God's promises for you. They're the expectations that he's birthed in your life. And your issue may not be the effort level. 
Your issue may be the commitment level that's deterring your effort level. And it's time to recommit. To say the God of my teenage years, the God of my 20s, the God of my 30s, wherever you were at when you said yes to Jesus, it would be your God of today. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.